Well, I want to welcome everyone who's joining our live stream worship service, especially those who are joining for the first time. Maybe you have never been to Emmanuel Anglican Church in person before, but you're joining us for the first time now. Welcome. We're in a series that we started before the coronavirus crisis began called How to Grieve. And uh, we're actually looking at the final things that Jesus said right before he died as a clue uh, for how we can grieve in the presence of God and each other. Um, and so I want to invite you to, to join us for that in Luke 23. We're looking at verses um, 44 through 49, and that's printed in your bulletin. And I believe this will help us grieve the losses that we're facing even now. Um, some years ago, my wife, Laura, and I attended a family barbecue in Rockford, Illinois. And it was one of those weekend family barbecues that it, it goes maybe a little too long, uh, and it took us some time, more time than we wanted to, to extract ourselves from the party and make our way home back to Chicago. And, um, you know, we were on the road. All I wanted was to be back in our home and in our beds, and um, it, was, it was dark outside. And then something happened that was very distressing, which is that the engine began to sputter. Uh, and I realized pretty quickly that the engine was actually dying on the highway, on I-90, coming back to Chicago. Uh, thankfully, we were able to make it to the side of the road for uh, safety reasons and to, to just get our bearings. And we soon, all of a sudden, felt extremely stranded, distressed, uh, and in a place that none of us wanted to be at all. We were just like, we need, we need that call for help right now. We need to somehow stay alive. Um, and all we wanted was for things to get back to normal. I feel like right now, many of us are in that uh, place uh, right now. We're, we're sort of stranded in a place we never thought we would be, sort of facing a crisis and in need of capable help to come quickly. Um, uh, we are uh, seeing healthy people uh, all of a sudden get sick, maybe some of them losing their lives. Uh, we find ourselves stranded in our own homes, aware of dangers, uh, with a lot at stake. Now, when Jesus Christ was in his own hour of crisis, we see him doing something very important. This is so important for our message today. We see that Jesus places his entire situation into the hands of the Father, the capable, skillful hands of his heavenly Father. He puts the whole thing into the hands of his Father. Uh, and we, we see that the Father had trustworthy, capable, skillful, caring hands to help Jesus uh, and to help us in our hour of crisis. It's interesting that even if something's going wrong in your life, if you know that there's someone who's caring and skillful helping you on site, you can kind of relax a little bit. There can be a sense of peace that enters your body. And you know that even though you're still working, even though you're still attending to the problems in front of you, You've got help. You've got someone who's capable. You can relax a little bit. My prayer that as we open this text and we see Jesus, one of Jesus' final words, one of his final moments, and we see the Father working renewal, that we'd be able to just be at peace ourselves. My, that's my prayer for you and for all of us. So let's look at Luke 23, verses 44 through 49, to just dig deeper on this. Um. Let's first consider the hour of crisis that Jesus was in. Verse 44 says this. It was now about the sixth hour, 
and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Um, this is Luke's account of Jesus' crucifixion. Um, so for Jesus and his followers, these two verses represent a moment where everything they trusted in seems to sort of be breaking down and coming apart at the seams. First of all, we see a crisis with creation as the sun, the sun's light fails for three hours. The sun is one of those things that you just always assume will work. You know, even if you don't get to see the sun, as we often don't uh, in Chicago during, the, during much of the spring, you just assume that it's still there, it's still working, and that eventually it will, it will come out from behind the clouds. During Jesus' death, the whole world became pitch black for three hours. And it was almost as if the whole world was getting sort of a massive reboot. Everything was just like unplugged, stopped working, and um, was just sort of shut down. And it was really, it was the Father's judgment um, that was, was, was coming on the face of the earth. And, and it was almost a sense in which the world is sort of coming apart at the seams. So there's a crisis with creation, but then there's a crisis with God and with faith. As we see that in the second half of verse 45, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The temple was one of those dependable, trustworthy institutions that no matter what was happening um, in the world, no matter what was happening in your life, you could at least go to the temple to make a sacrifice. You could at least go to the temple to, to pray. And it was, it was an institution that had survived for, for hundreds and thousands of years. It represented the presence of God. You could go there to meet with God. Um, and when the, the curtain of the temple is torn from top to bottom, um, the whole thing is being rendered obsolete. And so it's sort of like someone marking with a red X, like expired food, like don't, don't touch that. It's, it's not going to work anymore. It's totally spoiled. And it was like the temple is just, now it's being marked as spoiled, as not working anymore. Um, and so there's a crisis with creation. There's a crisis with God and with faith. And then finally, there's just this personal crisis of Jesus's own health. His own physical well-being is being violently come to an end and torn apart. Um, if you're Jesus, this is your own flesh and blood breaking down here. And um, it's, it's a personal crisis at the most profound and, and personal level. If you've ever been in a medical crisis, you know um, that it's the most excruciating thing that, that potentially you could go through. If you're watching someone you care about, facing a health crisis. Um, the followers of Jesus were watching their leader being killed. They were watching everything he represented being brought to an end. And so Jesus, his followers, man, they are at a moment of profound crisis. There's just so much upheaval and it's all coming at once. And here we are 2000 years later in our own crisis. COVID-19, is a dangerous virus. It's a cruel virus and it's set loose all over the world. You're probably tired of hearing about it. I just need to say a few pastoral words about this virus. The coronavirus is perfectly designed to overwhelm the respiratory system and it is perfectly designed to overwhelm the medical system. Two weeks ago, when we did our first live stream worship service, two weeks ago, March 15th, there were 3,500 confirmed cases in the United States. This morning, Johns Hopkins uh, tracking uh, tells us that there are, are now 125,000 
confirmed cases. This is an increase of 35 times in two weeks of the number of confirmed cases. You likely know someone or know of someone that you have a personal connection to who now has the coronavirus or has symptoms but cannot themselves be tested. You or I might contract the coronavirus ourselves and our symptoms might be anywhere from mild to severe to fatal. Um, in response to this medical crisis, our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, and our governor, J.B. Pritzker, has asked us to stay home to save lives. Stay home, save lives. And as your pastor, I urge you, follow this mandate. Take this seriously. Stay at home to prevent more deaths, to give the medical system more time to catch up with this virus, to prevent yourself from contracting, to prevent yourself from spreading COVID-19. It's the primary way that we can love our neighbor right now. It's not the only way, but it is the primary way to love our neighbor right now. And so I urge you to stay home and save lives. Yet staying at home um, in a shutdown world is a personal crisis and in many cases, an economic crisis as well. Some have lost jobs. Some of you have lost your jobs. Um, some of you have lost your businesses. Some of you have lost your livelihood. You don't know how you're going to pay rent. You don't know how you're going to pay your bills or purchase food. Um, as a church, uh, furthermore, it's very painful that we can't meet together. I miss worshiping with you so much. Um, you know, we realize now when we can't meet together, what a gift it is to come together, to sing, to pass the peace, to, you know, to give hugs, to give greetings, to, to, to see lots of people all at once is a great gift, to not be seeing people over a screen, but to be seeing the real person. We long to come together to hear the word of God and to participate in the liturgy and uh, to, uh, to partake of the Eucharist. What a gift it will be when we can do that again. But it's a crisis right now. Spiritually speaking, it has a big impact on us that we can't do that. This crisis will pass. This will pass. And when it does, there will be more upheaval economically, socially, culturally, and spiritually. We are likely in the first in a series of crises, uh, several of them, with more upheaval in our future. So there's not going to be a going back to normal, even though we will see this crisis through. There won't be a new normal. Well, there will be a new normal. There won't be the old normal. Um, I don't say any of this to, to bring alarm, but simply to name what's true. We don't, as Christians, spiritualize away the facts on the ground. We, we actually take them very seriously because Jesus is Lord of all heaven and earth. So there's not like a separate spiritual zone that he's Lord over that has, doesn't touch the, the reality that we're facing. This series, in fact, is about grieving with hope, uh, not about grieving and spiritualizing things away. So we are in an hour of crisis, and there will be more crisis to come. Because we know the Lord is with us, we know he will use this for good, yet we still ask the questions that many of the followers of Jesus were asking, and Jesus himself was, was, was wrestling with, is, is that when will this be over? When can we have some sense of normalcy? How long will it be before we can work again and worship again? Um, and then in the meantime, how should we serve the city without infecting our neighbors? Um, what will life be like after the quarantine? And um, 
Is there any way of getting a sense of control back and normalcy back? So let's go back to Jesus to, to, to keep this theme going of, of how do we put this crisis in the hands of the Father? Even as the sunlight fails, even as the curtain's temple tears, there's a prayer on Jesus' lips. It's an old psalm, Psalm 31, older than the temple itself. We prayed it today. We can pray it tomorrow. And anytime we don't know what to do, it will help us do what Jesus did in his crisis, and that is to put ourselves and our crisis into the hands of the Father. Look with me at verse 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. That night when Laura and I were stuck on the side of the road, we called for help. Uh, thankfully, we had one of those old-fashioned cell phones with us, one of those things you open it up and you dial numbers, and, and, and it primarily makes phone calls. And um, we called, the first person we called picked up, and it was her father, my father-in-law, her father, Ken. One of Ken's distinctive features is his very capable and strong hand. He's got one of those sets of hands with like long, strong fingers that move skillfully. They've been well-trained. They've had lots of experience, backed up by strong forearms. So like he can just give the most massive, devastating vice grip, but he can also work very skillfully to fix appliances, to build furniture, and to do many other great things. Um, so Ken, he got out of bed or wherever he was. He came to our rescue many miles away, he pulled up next to us on the highway. He opened the hood and then he just thrust those strong and skillful hands into our struggling engine. A few, min a few moments later, we were on our way. We were back, getting back home. The thing that sustained Laura and I in that time of crisis was knowing that capable, powerful help was on the way, that a skillful set of hands was on the way to fix the engine. We could put our crisis in the hands of my father-in-law. Now, in his hour of upheaval, Jesus placed his whole existence into his father's hands. His father's hands were strong and capable, backed up with a strong right arm that works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. His father's hands were nimble and creative and can turn any situation into good. The father's hands took injustice in the life of Joseph and used it to feed the world in an hour of global famine. The father's hands parted the Red Sea at just the right moment to deliver a doomed nation. The father's hands raised up a young woman named Esther at just the right time to become queen of Persia and save the Jewish people from genocide. So where does Jesus turn uh, as the world is coming apart. At the seams, in the greatest hour of crisis, Jesus puts himself squarely in the hands of God. He had just a few breaths left. Uh, he's got just a few heartbeats left in him, just a few final synapses to string together a sentence. And with everything he has, Jesus hoists himself up. He takes a gulp of air, and then he bellows out those ancient words of, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, by committing his spirit to his father, Jesus is trusting him with everything. He's trusting him with his physical body. 
Until now, Jesus took care of his own body. He fed it, exercised it, rested it, and honored his father with it. You know, Jesus had mastery over his body until this point. He could use his voice to teach. He could use his hands to heal suffering people. Now his body is being torn apart. He's losing mastery of it. Uh, it's being killed and, and tortured. And, and so what does he do? Well, he places his body, his struggling, suffering body, into the hands of his father. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Um, now, what would become of the body of Christ after this moment? Well, the father's hands would not only resurrect the body of Christ, but he would multiply it for the life of the world. In fact, in a, in a mysterious way, spiritually speaking, we now would be included in the body of Christ. Jesus places his whole future existence into Father's hands when he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Will there be life after death for Jesus? Would he live forever with the Father? Or would he be cut off? Would his corpse simply remain there on the cross to be picked apart by birds? He placed his entire existence, his future existence after death, into his Father's hands. Um, the Father's hands would place Jesus, the slain King of Kings, and place him on the highest throne in the highest heavens. And surrounding him would be all of heaven and earth. He would be King of Kings and Lord of Lords forever and ever. So he places his body into his Father's hands. He places his future existence into his Father's hands. And then he places his very mission, everything he had worked for, into his father's hands. All the blood, sweat, and tears that he spent building the church, building the people of God, would it collapse? Would all those sheep that he gathered now be scattered? In the father's hands, the mission of Jesus would multiply and strengthen and stretch throughout thousands of years and surrounding the globe. There's never been a sturdier, more triumphant mission than the mission of Jesus. Jesus knew exactly who could do that for him. He put it into his father's hands because the father's hands are strong and capable and skillful and good. Now, what do you need to put into the father's hands this morning? What is it? In this hour of crisis, is it your health? Uh, maybe you have the coronavirus and you are struggling just to breathe. It feels like walking up eight flights of stairs just to have a phone conversation for you. Uh, maybe you're in great pain. Uh, maybe you know someone who's in great pain. Trust your well-being physically into the hands of the Father. He cares about you. He created your body. And if you give your body to him, he will resurrect it. Um, he can bring healing in this life. He will bring healing in the next if you trust him. Maybe you need to trust in, uh, someone that you care about into the hands of the Father. You're separated from them and you're worried about them, you can't be with them right now. Maybe it's relationships. You feel that you were just beginning to sink in with a friend group, or maybe a significant relationship, a romantic relationship. It was just starting to get off the ground. And now with the separation, it feels like maybe all bets are off for those relationships. Maybe it's your economic well-being to put into the hands of the Father. Will there be enough to pay the rent? Will there be enough to put food on the table? What about our church? For those of you who belong to Emmanuel Anglican, how are we going to be the church in this moment? What will become of our church through this moment? Maybe it's that that you need to put into the hands of the Father. You know, at the end of the day, I think all of us have to put our future existence into the hands of the Father. What's going to become of the rest of our life? What's going to become of 
our existence after we die. Um, that really does need to be taken care of as soon as possible. We need to put ourselves into the hands of the Father. Um, maybe you've, ne you've never done that before. You can do it right now. You can say, Father, I can't save myself. I, I can't control where I'll be after I die. Would you forgive all sins that I've committed against you and against my neighbor through your son's death? Would you give me your life now? Give me your Holy Spirit now? And let me live with you now and worship you forever. Would you let me live with you in your kingdom after I die? He will answer that prayer. He will take care of your future existence. You can trust him. Our Father can be trusted with everything that you care about right now. Our Father can be trusted with every person that you care about right now. He has these like strong, skillful hands to bring renewal out of the crisis that we are in right now. Now, sometimes when I watch my father-in-law, Ken, fix something that's broken or build something new, um, I know he's, he's like trying to get the appliance to work again. But most of the time, I have no idea about all of the dozens of like highly skilled, uh, very specific things that he's doing along the way for that appliance to get fixed or that new piece of furniture to be built. My wife, Laura, does, though, because over the years, she's developed a special eye for watching Ken work. And uh, she knows the specific things that are happening along the way of that thing getting fixed. Now, if we pay close attention here, in this text, we will see the Father's hand in the aftermath of Jesus' death. He's already doing these highly specialized, skillful things to bring renewal in the moment of crisis. So let's, let's look at these hints of renewal in verses 47 through 49. Um, for, starting with verse 47, now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. Um, so remember how the curtain's uh, veil was torn, or the temple's curtain was torn. The, the, uh, uh, the temple curtain was torn. Nothing would be the same. Um, we see here that there was a purpose in that. In the, the curtain of the temple tearing, there was a purpose in that. The presence of God was thought to have dwe uh, dwelled in the temple, and it, and it did for many years. The presence of God could cleanse every human heart and renew every human heart. And now that curtain and that temple could no longer contain the presence of God. It would flood out through the followers of Jesus and through the work of Jesus all over the world. It would go to unimaginable places like Golgotha, to unimaginable people like the centurion. The Roman centurion is glorifying the living God. That's because the presence of God is like finding him through Jesus. The presence of God would go to Samaria, and would go to the ends of the earth, and can even now be experienced wherever we are quarantined, wherever we are staying at home, sheltering in place, the presence of God can now be with us. It was just one of those hints of renewal that we see even in just the aftermath of Jesus's death. Here's another hint of renewal in verse 48. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. So remember, the sun gave out. That was an ecological crisis. But yet, in the scriptures, the sun goes out in order for the light of God to shine even more brightly. The sun goes out so that people will finally wake up 
to their own spiritual need. And we see hints of this now um, with the people who are beating their breasts, the sign of repentance. They were once mocking Jesus. Now they're having a change of heart. They're cut to the heart about what they've done. There's hope for them to get right with God. And we see hints of this now, even in our own country. Sort of the veneer of control that we thought we had in the West has been removed. Um, we've experienced a, a global uh, humbling. We were once connected very powerfully in a global network. And now the finest medical minds around the world have not yet found a cure for the coronavirus. We pray that they will, uh, but we've been humbled that we don't have that yet. The finest financial minds are scrambling to keep the economy from a free fall. And we pray that they'll be successful, um, but we just realize that we're not as invincible as we thought we were. Um, people are now um, in a place of anguish and fear, um, and we don't want them to be afraid, but we're glad to see the renewed hunger for God. In the words of an ancient prophet, he says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. That's God's heart, is to heal us. And there's hints of that here. The final hint is in verse 49. Luke says this, And all his acquaintances, Jesus' acquaintances, and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. These women, these disciples of Jesus, were, were at a distance. They're, they're scared. You know, they're demoralized. They're traumatized. Yet the women standing in the darkness at the cross were the first to see the dazzling splendor and hope of the empty tomb. The Father made them the first people to proclaim the resurrection. This is just incredible. So the Father's skillful hands are working in intricate, beautiful, skillful, strong ways, even in the midst of the crisis. It was so smart of Jesus to put himself in the hands of the Father, to put his crisis into the very strong, skillful hands of the Father. There's already renewal happening because of that. Now, if we can pay attention, if you and I can begin to pay attention in this moment, we can see this Father's skillful hands working to bring renewal even in our own crisis. He's working even now. His hands are strong and skillful. What is God doing in your soul right now? What is he doing in your life right now, in your family? He may be igniting in you a, a spiritual renewal. Um, he's made space for you to go deep in prayer, to intercede for people. He's maybe... Uh, awakened in you a love for neighbor that you didn't have before, a passion to help the suffering. He may be drawing your family together in a bond that will endure for decades. Maybe he's revealed a stronghold in your life that uh, needs to be taken down, a part of your soul that needs to be renewed. Maybe you have a sense of clarity and purpose in your life where you didn't have before. You've been called into leadership. You've been called into public service. And right, you know, before the crisis, maybe you had a sense of being adrift or not really sure what God's call was on your life. Um, the Father right now is working to bring renewal. And if we can learn to pay attention in this next week and in these coming weeks, we will see the Father bring massive renewal to our church uh, and to our city. So in our hour of crisis, it is so important, let us put ourselves into the hands, those skillful, loving hands of the Father. Let's pray for him to renew our lives, our church, our neighborhoods, and our city. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.